1: Go to liquiddeath.com, use the promo code BIGBLUE for a refreshing beverage ahead of Halloween.
2: Blue Liar. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always by co-host Nick Pilato. Tonight's we'll breakdown, the Giants defense on film from their week eight loss against the Seahawks. The good news is the defensive film is better. I have a lot of positive takeaways from this, Nick, especially one. And that main one being the Giants pass rush started to come alive this week for the first time in my mind all season to this extent, I should say. And a big factor in that is my player of the game, the MVP of this game, in the Giants defense, which we'll get to. But before we dive into anything further, Nick, I do want to caveat this by telling the listeners, unfortunately, we are on major time constraint this week. And tonight, um, Nick has family coming in and I have constraints with Uh, My job, I have a live stream that I have to be on tonight and timing is just not going to work out. So we are fitting this into a shorter window than we planned for or hope for. So all almost most likely this podcast will end with Nick uh, solo podcasting for however I'm going to try to get as much as we can get in until I have to jump off. But I have a certain time I have to get off and jump on a CBS sports live stream. So Nick will be closing out the podcast, but um, we also hope to do something with the trade deadline and Joe Shane's presser. But. TBD with that because again we're trying to fit all this in with timing wise. But with that said, Nick, I think we should just kind of dive right into the film, right? Because we are on a time time constraint here.
1: Yeah, let's get right into it. And I would say one grand takeaway that I have, and this is not anything novel. It's just that Shane Waldron did an excellent job throughout this game attacking Wink Martindale's tendency to run man coverage. It's something that you saw a lot on double moves with Tyler Lockett. There were plenty of little fake little pivot routes that Tyler Lockett would end up running to to get a defensive back to scrape over the top of a release, but then he would just go right back inside. And basically there was no one to take Tyler Lockett. So I felt like adjustments like that really manipulated what the giants were doing from a coverage standpoint. And that's just one thing I want to throw out there, but let's get into the film. One thing I actually want to
2: throw out there before we get into the film, because it's just a fun conversation. I'd like to get your take on Nick. I awesome. said something during the game that I thought based on, and this was only confirmed after watching the film because it might take got, my, my opinion on this got even stronger, but I said during the game, Based on what I saw this season now, remember, I want to caveat this because people took it the wrong way. I'm not saying that he is better overall or anything like that. But based on what I saw during this game, I think Geno Smith played the quarterback position best of any of the quarterbacks the Giants faced this season. That includes Aaron Rodgers, who we obviously went over the film. You can go look back and we show you all the misses he had, Um, You know, some throws that were off and just reads that were off where he didn't pull the trigger on and Lamar Jackson, who had two key turnovers. And other than that, also missed some throws. I mean, Geno Smith was diming up balls down the field, (laughs) crazy ball placement and some muddy pockets. I think I stand by the statement. Geno Smith played the quarterback position against the Giants better than anyone I saw so far this season. If Geno Smith's name
1: was Patrick Mahomes right now, everyone would be talking about him as the MVP. I stand by that right now. And you'll see throughout this film how many times he manipulates the pocket to avoid a rush and then just deliver a catchable football down the field. He played really well in this football game, and he's been doing it basically this entire season. So I think respect and credit deserves to be ushered towards Geno Smith.
2: For sure. And we'll show you guys on the film starting right now. Okay. This was a six play 13 yard drive for the Seahawks where the Giants forced the punt.
1: Love this first play, by the way, Dan, because this is Jalen Smith, who is now playing the mic with Tay Crowder, transitioning to the will role. As you could see right here by Mike, we mean the middle linebacker, 54 is in the middle. Tay Crowder is on the weak side of the double Y set with the two tight ends over there by Kayvon Thibodeau. And then just look at Jalen Smith versus zone run. Presses, presses, sees the cutback lane, fills. That's a very good play by Jalen Smith, who was horrendous, terrible last week against Jacksonville. And also and maybe Dexter they- Lawrence. And maybe Oof.
2: they found something with this new alignment using Jalen Smith in the mic and Tate Crowder in the will, because as we'll go over, as we work our way through the film, Nick, they were much better. They were much sounder defense this week than last week. It was a total night and day experience versus I mean, look, they they still gave up some plays specifically in the passing game. But as a run defense, it was night and day. And I think this change could be a factor in it.
1: It definitely was. And you could see how. Jahad Ward goes and attacks the B-gap right there. Tay Crowder replaces as the contained defender. And that was one reason why this play, because it was a weak side pistol run, ends up getting blown up. Cutback lane forms. Jalen Smith recognizes and then closes. And then Dexter Lawrence makes the play that he makes. So that's just a really good example of how the Giants' run defense was improved after that week in
2: Jacksonville. Yep. On the second and seven here, really nice play by Seattle to move the pocket and to beat this kind of coverage. Just a quick hitting uh, throw to Metcalf for six.
1: Yeah, and you could see that Wink Martindale's attempting to dial up the blitz, but somehow Shane Waldron knew what the Giants were doing, or it could have just been dumb luck, but he anticipates the blitz and runs away Away. runs Gino away from the blitz for for an easy six-yard gain. It was dumb luck
2: because it was kind of crazy how we blitzed from the right and Gino's rolling to the opposite side, like as if he knew it. Um, but here we have a third and one here, just kind of that, you know, direct snap to Walker. They tried to trick the giants. I don't think the giants were fooled. It was just a one yard. You know, it was a, it was a short, it was an easy conversion.
1: I would say Leonard Williams, like leg is down. So he's not in the ready position, but he still fires off the ball and, and gets into a position to make a stop. And I think he ends up making a tackle, but Walker picks up the one yard to set up a first and 10.
2: Here we have a first and 10 here after the converted. Let's go to the sideline view here. I believe if I'm looking at this play right, this was a good job by Gino to escape the initial pressure. Um what did he convert that for?
1: No, this was a drop pass along the sideline to Okay, yeah, I'm Walker. looking at
2: the wrong play. Yep, this is where he tried to go to Walker.
1: Yeah, and Leonard Williams just blows right through the B gap and Charles Cross and Kenneth Walker tries to tries to just present a target on the sideline with Kayvon Thibodeau, who's the Sam, dropping into coverage. You can see both Kayvon Thibodeau and Jalen Smith take Kenneth Walker here, and then the middle of the field is open, and Geno Smith misses it, but it would have just been a quick gain to Colby Parkinson. Even if it was there, it was really, really fast. But let's watch how Leonard Williams just blows through this B-gap. On the weak side, 13 personnel Geno Smith is in. And then both the tight ends who are to Leonard Williams side, Leonard Williams is a three technique. They release in the routes. So now you have a two versus one for Charles Cross. And I like this because Tay Crowder, Wink Martindale brings Tay Crowder on this blitz right into the A-gap. And that's going to occupy the guard because the center has to worry about Dexter Lawrence, who is the one technique right there. So now with both of those tight ends not staying in protection, you have a two versus one naturally against Charles Cross. And he's in a really tough spot. He has to take Leonard Williams here, but Jahad Ward is also coming. So this is a really good play by Geno Smith to at least extend it and find the target. But it was dropped by Kenneth Walker.
2: Yep. And a great pressure by leonard williams you'll hear a lot of his name we get to a second and 10 they go back in the pistol here and you just get to see one wink martindale continuing to bring the pressure that was something they dialed up a lot more in this game a lot more pressures uh from wink martindale versus jacksonville game and then two fabian moreau continuing that steady drum beat with a really nice break on the ball and a really nice pbu
1: yeah i really liked what i saw from fabian moreau specifically early in this game because right here his hips are oriented kind of outward and he senses this break by DK Metcalf and just closes with right to his near hip and makes contact on the football I'm playing
2: right now. I would think that there's a good chance that he keeps this job. Even once Aaron Robinson and Cordell Flott are back from injury.
1: I don't see any reason to replace him yeah. at the moment. He's playing really good football. And for those listening on the podcast, the giants bring the pressure by sending the three guys that they have on the line of scrimmage, but then they send their edges, Tay Crowder and Julian love. So they get a lot of pressure. On Geno Smith here, Smith just keeps his eyes downfield and Fabian Moreau wins the one-on-one matchup.
2: And one added benefit about flipping Tay Crowder and Jalen Smith and making T- Jalen Smith the Mike and Tay Crowder, uh, either the Sam or the weak side linebacker on certain plays, is that Tay Crowder is going to be a better blitzer than Jalen Smith. We've seen already how Jalen Smith has struggled with the blitz. So that's another added benefit there
1: it's definitely another added benefit and the giants defense now have Seattle right where they want them in a third and 10 situation. Yeah. The the ball is insane by this is the, I don't even know if you want to call it a drop by DK Metcalf. The ball is there, but I think Moreau gets away with one. Yeah. I think it's a DPI on Moreau and he gets away with one and Moreau's in good coverage, but the ball just has great trajectory and kind of lands exactly where it needs to be for DK Metcalf and Moreau just kind of grabs the, the inside arm of DK Metcalf, but look at the, look at the, defense the personnel this is third and 10 so what are the giants going to do in third and 10 because seattle's going to have to transition out of their 12 13 personnel packages go to a more 11 look so the giants just go out in quarter and you're the the player who is aligned as the mic would be dane belton here so this is what the giants like as we've said several times and dexter lawrence just puts austin Blythe on skates right here and you could right. see just how truly special this throw is from the
2: end zone angle, in my mind, at least, because one, he's getting pressure right up the middle of Leonard Williams, who eventually hits him while he's trying to throw. So he doesn't get a chance to fully follow through it's on
1: Dexter it. Dexter Lawrence. Yeah,
2: I'm sorry. Dexter Lawrence. I don't know why I said Leonard Williams. And then two, you've got Cave on Thibodeau giving some edge pressure as well. So now he has to step up into the pocket because of cave Thibodeau's rush. Then he's stepping up into a hit from Dexter Lawrence and still drops the ball perfectly. Despite a safety over the top in between. It's basically a whole shot. This is a whole shot. Like there's a safety over the top lurking and he just drops it perfectly right. in. this was the first moment I was like, damn, Gino is playing some different level football right now.
1: Yeah, I absolutely. Love this play by the giants. Cause they were able to get out of it, but still a yeah. lot of impressive traits displayed by Seattle. But the Giants get out of this first drive and the defense holds firm, stops the run, comes up with some big plays against the pass. So impressive start by the Giants defense right here.
2: And another impressive follow up there. They had another drive after that right away. We'll go into this, the five play, 14 yard drive with a punt. Once again, the Giants defense is doing their part in this game, especially early on, um, as you guys will see. So it starts off with a little outside zone here from the Seahawks
1: with the jet motion for young to help out with the block. And that's just a really great individual effort from Julian love who sifts through all the traffic squeezes off Abraham Lucas's uh, contact right there. Lucas is kind of has his eyes on blocking Smith, but gets in the way of love love finds his way right to Kenneth Walker and makes a nice wrap up tackle for a short gain. I think for three yards, but it could have been a lot worse because the blocks, the play side did a pretty good job for Seattle here. Sets up a second and seven
2: situation where Seattle runs a little bit of trickery here, gets the giants kind of uses a little bit of eye candy and then kind of has a really nice design here with a, with a little boot roll leg rollout action to kind of hit wide open in the flat. Will Disley.
1: This was a play that reminded me a little bit of Mike Kafka. It's just a fake, fake pitch roll. Geno Smith out. The entire defense is going towards the pitch side because Seattle used their wide receiver in motion again just like they did in the previous play only on the outside zone run they use the motion and then he lead blocked for Kenneth Walker this time they fake pitch and then they roll Geno Smith out Gavon Thibodeau does an okay job recollecting himself but by that time there's no one to cover Will Disley in the flat you have a three-level read with Will Disley uh D Eskridge and then Tyler Lockett easy yards right here for nine to Will Disley very easy
2: pickup there, but then just one first down, and the Giants defense locks down again here. We start here with a one-yard, uh, you know, holding the Seahawks, so a one-yard gain on this run play. Played
1: really well. The Giants run defense learned. They went th- They went to the drawing board, and they were ready for the the zone attack of Kenneth Walker, who was. you can even see in this game. He didn't even have that great of a game. He has a touchdown. You can see the traits of Kenneth Walker that are really, really appetizing.
2: Without a doubt, but as you said astutely, I thought in the preview podcast, this was a good matchup for the Giants defense because they did run a lot of zone. You want we are looking forward to the teams that are going to be running a lot of zone versus the teams that run power and gap. So we get to the second and nine here. Giants go to nickel here. Uh, It was pretty good coverage, I thought, by Micah McFadden in the flat, someone who in the time and times in the past has struggled with coverage and he was ultimately benched i don't want to say for coverage kind of more so just for being out of position um but you know he did a good job on this crashing down in the flat to stop kenneth walker for many yards after after the catch
1: it's a knowledge thing with michael mcfadden i think michael mcfadden will be okay maybe after the bye we might see him get more snaps played 27 in this game but look jalen smith is pointing at michael mcfadden michael get yeah, over there take right. kenneth walker get take kenneth walker like I'm telling you, Shane Waldron knew Michael McFadden was on the field. This was Michael McFadden's first play, I believe, on the football field. And he was like, all right, we're just going to attack him in coverage because last time he saw the defensive side of the football and it wasn't just special teams it was against Green Bay where he gave up that 14 yard game to Josiah DeGuara, and then another game to somebody else because pre-snap. He wasn't in alignment. And look right here. His assignment is Kenneth Walker. Look how far away. Like that's inexcusable. Right. You need to be where you need to be. So the fact that he was able to recollect himself and get Kenneth Walker out of bounds for a small gain is a uh, is definitely good because he could it could have been, been a lot Jaylen worse. Smith,
2: by the way, right? Because he gets him moving three steps probably faster than he would have. That could have been a big play if not for Jalen Smith. Exactly.
1: Exactly. And it says something about Jalen Smith. I love this pressure, by the way. This is a yeah, third and 39 eight is excellent. Or 39 Yeah. Eight. Dex is in a two-point stance where a four-eye would be slightly off the line of scrimmage with Jahad Ward and Leonard Williams as two eyes. Both Jahad Ward and Leonard Williams at the snap. It's a five-man protection empty from the Seattle Seahawks. Both of those players slant towards Dexter Lawrence. Dexter Lawrence loops around. And then Leonard Williams, I think, gets the primary pressure just because he fights through the the block of the the guard who's blocking down on him. Great play by Leonard Williams. You can see how Leonard Williams is pushing 61 to try to free up Jahad Ward and also occupying 66, so nobody pays attention to Dexter Lawrence as both Kayvon Thibodeau and Taman Fox run high side. This is a pressure designed for Dexter Lawrence. And Dexter Lawrence gets free, along with Leonard Williams, who hits Geno Smith. Great game by Leonard Williams. And then the coverage downfield on D S. Eskridge is excellent from Dory Jackson to force another punt.
2: Yep, Dory Jackson just breaking on that ball, the PBU, consistent in his game. So the Giants actually now set up, the the Seahawks set up here for another, the Giants hold them to another quick punt. It's crazy. The first three drives we talked about yesterday with the Giants, they went three and out for the first time on offense since 2017 on their first three drives. Well, this wasn't three and out, three and out, three and out for the Seahawks, but, you know, these are one first down and punt, one first down and punt. And here's another one first down and punt kind of drive. It starts off with a little another PA rollout. This was a really nice design here, I thought, by the Seahawks to get just look how open Tyler Lockett is. And you could see the the nuance of Tyler Lockett as a route runner here because he sells so well. Look at watch Lockett bottom of your screen. Look how he just sells so well to the Giants defense that he's not going to be
1: ultimately running the route that he chooses to run. Yeah, Moreau and Nick McLeod don't seem like they're on the same page. They both bite towards the run, but it seemingly looks like Fabian Moreau probably has Tyler Lockett to some degree if he were to go vertical and out, but he doesn't really go vertical. He does end up going out, but Nick McLeod, who is aligned inside of Tyler Lockett, there are three eligible receivers to this side of the field. He bites on the run fake and Fabian Moreau looks at Colby Park or Noah Fant, I believe that is, and then takes that seven route and nobody even pays attention to Tyler Lockett. So he just kind of gets lost in the sauce. Excellent play on first down.
2: And we'll see the Giants get beat in a similar way at some point soon, where if Gino had got the ball out a little faster, it could have been an even bigger play to Marquise Goodwin. But, you know, they were beating the Giants in a lot of ways um, in the flats. Here we have De- Geno Smith making a good decision to run. Good coverage downfield, good pressure by the Giants.
1: Yeah, the Giants carry DK Metcalf. You have essentially like a two-high Pre-snap, it looks like a cover six, but that safety right there, who looks like he's going to be the first quarter defender next to the half, pays attention to Tyler Lockett and reads that. And then it just ends up being a too high defense right there. And I love how you have that backside support from the other safety because there's only one vertical route. DK Metcalf goes inside of Fabian Moreau. then Julian Love just flips his hips. And now you have a bracket kind of vertical on DK Metcalf. And there's really nothing downfield right here. Geno Smith might have been able to throw to Tyler Lockett. But by that point, he is already evading rushers. And we should probably take a quick peek at what's going on on the line of scrimmage. Where it's 12 personnel. Geno Smith hits his back foot. Doesn't like what he sees. And you know what? There's not that much pressure here. But he just doesn't like what he sees with both those safeties bracketing. DK Metcalf.
2: Yeah, less pressure than I originally thought there, but just good job by the Giants' coveraging. Even if it looked like Tyler Lockett might be open, he wasn't because there was a safety who had his eyes on him. Now we have, coming up here, a second and seven, and this is... A really good example of a great play by Tate Crowder here, number 48. You can see how well he reads this, how aggressive he is, and how he just ends up making the tackle. And he struggled at times with with finishing tackles. There's been a lot of missed tackles for him this season. I think he might lead the league in them, or he's, or he's damn well close. Um, but this is not an example of that. And the good news I thought about this, Nick, is look at what the Seahawks are running with the pullers. They're running power gap here, which has given the Giants trouble um, at times this season as run defense. But they play this really well for just a two-yard game.
1: The Giants have a tight front, and the New York Giants pull their guard and their their backside guard and their backside tackle to lead block. Kavon Thibodeau gets picked up, and then you have Charles Cross lead blocking with Jalen Smith, that playside linebacker, just getting picked up by Will Disley. This is just a phenomenal play by Tay Crowder. We talk about how linebackers need to bail each other out when the playside linebacker ends up getting picked up. You need that backside linebacker to be in position to make a tackle. This is exactly what we're talking about, because if yep. Tay Crowder doesn't read this correctly, Dan, This is a nice, long run by Kenneth Walker because all you have is Nick McLeod out there with two blockers in space, one of them being Charles Cross, who is a really, really good rookie, by the way, even though he loses to Michael McFadden later. So this is just excellent play by, by Tate Crowder.
2: Yeah. Great play by Crowder and it saves them because it sets up a third and five where the giants get off the field. And you could see another example here of the savvy route running by Tyler Lockett. Look, if this was a different world, Nick and the Seahawks were not contenders right now and they were putting players on the block, that would have been like number the number one receiver. I would have wanted the giants to trade for. I feel like he would have fit this perfectly. Like the system, I think he would have fit perfectly the smart, dependable tough. I, th- I think he would have fit perfectly despite that one drop he had. Um, and you know, you could see not from this angle, but you can see from the other angle. This is a good yeah, angle. We'll,
1: we'll, we'll get to that, but yeah, yeah. I want to bring up Dane Belton right here. Dane oh, Belton. Yeah. Like this guy is going to get interceptions. Look at this. Dane Belton reads Geno Smith. He's that's going to be a pick right there. Oh, if yeah. Jihad Ward doesn't make a really good individual play in his own right to knock this pass down. I think Dane Belton is under er, or is going to undercut this. And he might take rate. it to the house, to be honest. And he might take it to the house. He really well might also peep. Leonard Williams just putting Damian Lewis right on skates right there. Cool. Now, why is Tyler Lockett open? We'll see. Because look at the route out of the stack in plus splits four by about four yards. He motions to the bottom and of the number. i have seen it. this,
2: by the way, Nick. I think this is cool. I hope the Giants see this on film and and do and just copycat it because I love the idea here of just selling like you're the blocker and then just and 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 then kind of
1: he's look. not even selling like he's the blocker. He's he's acting like he's going to run a flat route here. So this man coverage stack outside the numbers, you motion Tyler Lockett, and that's going to get a Dory Jackson to come inside. A Jackson's about six yards, seven yards off of Tyler Lockett. And then Tyler Lockett, releases upfield by about a yard and then he turns like he's going to work underneath the release of the other player who was on the line of scrimmage in the stack going outside so what is that going to do in man coverage rules to a jackson he's going to have to flow over the top of the release of i believe that's Noah Fant and julian love but tyler lockett was just faking that all tyler lockett wanted was to get a dory jackson to flow outside like he was going to run an out route but he was really just going to break back inside now he's wide open with Adoree jackson essentially having two players hindering his movement and this is why the, another reason why dane belton just doesn't such a good job of reading what Geno Smith is doing. He doesn't know Tyler Lockett's there, but he just reads his eyes. And this would have been an interception. Great play design by Shane Waldron. And still it would have been an interception, I think, by Dane Belton if Jihad Ward doesn't make a good play in his own right. So there's positives to take away from this play in terms of the Giants. But man, I love that play design by Waldron and, and how it was executed by Lockett.
2: Yeah, really good individual plays here from Belton and from Jihad Ward. And the Giants get off the field here. Now the Seahawks get the ball back after this drive, though, and they finally start to put something on the board. They get a 15-play, 69-yard touchdown drive rolling, so we can check out how that happens here. It puts the Seahawks on the board, gives them a lead in this game, Um, and it starts off here with a little jet motion. Really nice play here from Geno Smith in the offense.
1: Yeah, Geno Smith gets out on the— on this the run, a little bit. That here. I
2: was talking about before, with if Goodwin is, has a better understanding of what's going on in this play, I don't really know what he's doing and just turns his head around, it could be an even bigger gain because you could see Gino wants to go to Goodwin right away. He's pumping. He's like, dude, what are you doing? And then he finally turns around. And by that point, there's more coverage flowing over the top.
1: Yeah, I don't know what Goodwin was thinking here. He's the jet motion and he thinks that's his only like role here. And the other right. three receivers will be open. But just look at the defense. The Giants have six guys on the line of scrimmage, and the only player who can cover you is Julian Love, who has to sink to cover the, the seven route. If it was a more um you know 90 degree type of angle towards the sideline. Instead, it kind of carries into the safety. So Julian Love can peel off and go to Marcus Goodwin. But Marcus Goodwin is is chilling with his back turn of Geno Smith for about two and a half, probably about a full three and a half seconds. It does, at least it seems like, dude. And uh, he makes his catch and goes for 16 yards. It could have been a lot worse though if Marquis Goodwin had a little bit more awareness on what the hell was going on.
2: There's another good design by Waldron. He's challenging the areas of the field that he's predicting the Giants will vacate, and that's a wide open area of the field for the second time in the flat there to the left. Um, just lucky. Giants like
1: to play cover three, man. that's yeah. that's one of the vulnerabilities. It's a good
2: cover three beater. Um, So they get a big first down there, 16 yards. Uh, The Seahawks try to go quick with tempo here. Giants are way off guard. You can see at the top of the screen, there's players running onto the field last second. And there's just a lot of scramble from the Giants defense pre-snap. But luckily, this was only a three-yard gain, despite all the uncertainty before the snap.
1: Yeah, it's a three-yard gain that could have been a lot worse. If you look at the top of the screen, nobody's on Kenneth Walker. Now, Nick McLeod was going to sink towards the sideline to eliminate him, but you have essentially a three-versus-two to the top of the screen, to the field side, with Kayvon Thibodeau being somebody who's slightly inside of Will Disley. So it's not a great situation for the New York Giants, but they only escaped surrendering three yards. Yeah, it was very nice. Um, Then we have a great
2: play for you coming up right here. This is the Micah McFadden sack. So this is the best part about this for me. Nick, is this was a seven-man pass protection from the Seahawks? They were dialing up a deep shot here with seven man, basically max protect, and yet the Giants are able to get a pretty relentlessly quick sack in on them from Micah McFadden.
1: Yeah, Nick McLeod gets great pressure from the other side of the formation, and that forces Geno Smith to step up and really just great individual effort from Micah McFadden, who uses his hands well against Charles Cross. We'll show it here. Charles Cross, he opens his hips a little early. He has to pay attention to jihad ward. Jihad Ward goes inside. You can see how the Seahawks' line shifts towards Micah McFadden. So now it's Micah McFadden against Charles Cross. You're going to take Charles Cross every time, right? Micah McFadden, man, he's a lot smaller than Charles Cross, and he just uses his low leverage in his hands to kind of take advantage of that outside arm of Charles Cross. And Charles Cross dips too much and doesn't bend at the knees. He bends at his waist and kind of gets his chest over his toes. Micah McFadden just turns the corner. Look how low Micah McFadden gets turning this corner. If you're watching this on YouTube, like that's. That's really athletic right there. Like, look at his knees while he's running. They're almost scraping the ground. That's the type of flexibility we're talking about with Micah McFadden, who ends up just diving at the legs of Geno Smith and then twirling him to the dick.
2: Yeah, that's a great point by you. Those good ankle flexion there and good ability to bend for a player who isn't really touted for his ability to bend. And just an excellent play here off the play action deep, deep drop sack. Sets up a third and 14. This is the scary part. You should... Be getting off the field a lot in third and 14, and yet the Seattle Seahawks are able to convert this with a 15-yard play here. Despite good pressure from Dexter Lawrence, Geno Smith does a great job manipulating the pocket, resetting his launch point, and then just, I thought this was really good ball placement. I mean, look at where this ball is thrown. Hands catch for DK Metcalf away from the outside coverage, toward the inside, after avoiding the pressure. Just a really nice ball here from Geno.
1: Yeah, it's a great ball from Gino, and it's even more impressive from the end zone angle. But what I love about this route against quarters, the Giants are in a quarters type of coverage. You can see how DK Metcalf releases inside, right? He's aligned outside the numbers by about two yards. He releases inside to about the top of the numbers, and then he angles himself outward, which is going to open up Fabian Moreau. And then he just pivots at about the bottom of the numbers and then just comes right back into the soft spot where the safety has too much depth and the underneath defender is paying attention to whoever that is in the flat. Like this is a great little route to take advantage of quarters coverage. And I I just love good football, smart football. And I think Shane Waldron kind of put a little bit of a clinic on in terms of things like this throughout the game. And if you want to watch it, from the end zone angle, look at Dexter Lawrence again, man. Just being a beast. But dude, talk about pocket manipulation from Geno Smith. Yes. That's insane right there. He keeps that he keeps that outside shoulder ducked and down, steps up into look how close that is from Dexter right. Lawrence. Great. Step up into the pocket where Leonard Williams just sheds 61 and runs right at Geno Smith. Geno Smith takes a huge shot but delivers a strike. Like this, like again, man, I feel weird because we just keep praising Geno Smith, but little things like this, dude these are wildly impressive quarterback plays right there. And they show his toughness and they show his intelligence. And it's just the progression of this kid. It's it's pretty freaking cool to see.
2: It is cool to see. It's a great story. He's not in our division, so I don't mind praising him, to be completely honest. And I love that little new, that point you made, that small thing that made such a difference there, the fact that he dipped his shoulder away from the pressure there. Because about to he it again he <laughs> has that wide shoulder angle, there's a chance that's a forced fumble sack. It's really possible. And then despite Leonard coming right in on him, he drives the football there. Great velocity. Great Ball placement. I mean, come on, dude, if that ball's to the right, it's going to be broken up. If it's to the left, it's going to be broken up by Julian or to the right. It'll be broken up by love to the left. It'll be broken up by the corner. It's basically a tight window throw there, too despite everything he had to do to get to that point. So, and it's a, a really third and
1: 14 point. man. Yes. It's a third and 14 play. And you're going to see the same thing on this next play, too, in terms of how Geno Smith is able to manipulate the pocket. We talk a lot about pocket manipulation here, and watch. Yeah. Here's a first and 10 play. Leonard Williams beats it, does the same exact thing, man. Steps up, dips that throwing shoulder, steps up into the pocket, finds out, look how close that is. Again, that, yeah. that's an insane play by... Leonard Williams to win around the guard's edge. Like look what Leonard Williams does with his hands. Double swipe of 60. Dip, rip, turns a corner. Again, we're talking about bend. Look at Leonard Williams' bend right there. This dude's over 300 pounds, and he turns that corner. But Geno Smith still finds a soft spot and then delivers the ball into a catchable spot. But it's just uh, it's just out of the reach of DK Metcalf.
2: Yeah, I mean, and he really put a lot of heat on that football just at the reach, but also I love that I love that he challenges this. You know, Geno Smith like right here. There's a safety over the top. He trusts his arm. He puts a lot of velocity on that because if you look at it from the sideline angle, you can see that there is an opportunity for a safety to break on the ball if that ball's not thrown to his outside shoulder like you said, if it's thrown inside, or more importantly, if it's thrown with less velocity. But he does drive this ball enough to get this ball to a point where that safety is not really a factor on that play. And he might have been a factor if, if the ball was actually caught. He might have been able to hit him, though with today's NFL rules, you probably get a penalty for that. But I mean, that's just like exa- if you want to teach this, where, do you, where should you put this ball? If you're going to actually attempt this throw in this window with that safety uh, it, over the top, then you better put it by the sideline on his outside shoulder. And that's exactly what he does.
1: And look too, with the coverage, cause you don't have any tight ends in line. You have a running back who kind of holds the pass rush a little bit just because he goes into like, he's going into play action, but it's a, it's a bunch type of set. I guess you could say it's more of a stack with uh with the number one receiver off to the field side. So you have free access down at the bottom of the screen with DK Metcalf, your ex receiver and the giants play inside out here. So you have Fabian Moreau who ends up turning himself and then just using the sideline to his advantage. So now you have DK Metcalf against Fabian Moreau outside the numbers, essentially. And Xavier McKinney's the only safety deep. And I think McKinney makes a great break on this football here. But if you watch even the end zone angle, which we already saw, but look at Geno Smith's eyes. He goes to the three receiver side first and comes back to DK Metcalf. Goes to the three receiver side, goes back, steps up into the pocket, knows he has the one-on-one matchup, fires the football. That holds Xavier McKinney to buy some time right there, you know?
2: He did a great job all game of holding the safety with his eyes. That was one of the main things I noticed about Gino. The ball placement was phenomenal, and little things like you said, keeping his shoulder away and pocket manipulation, also I would say pretty damn good to great, but it was really the eye manipulation that he did. Such he really. It seems like he's played in the league for 10 straight years as a starter, but he hasn't. That's the crazy part. Like This is a wild situation they have going on there.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your 9 a.m. stand-up meeting and think, you're drinking? It's a Tuesday afternoon. I get it. We're stuck in this meeting room. But you can't be drinking beer at work. Oh, it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water brand called Liquid Death. One may wonder, or even ask, why is it called Liquid Death? Well, because it will brutally murder your thirst. And their infinitely recyclable Tall Boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. They also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. So, like a famous television character whose show shares the name of a star defensive lineman on the Giants with the last name Lawrence, this drink is killing to save. How altruistic. It tastes good. It's refreshing. Everyone should go and try it. It kind of looks like an energy drink, but it is just Water, so please go get Liquid Death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code Big Blue. So that's liquiddeath.com/bigblue. It is, and then the Giants end up suffering a Jihad Ward face oh, mask, yeah. which gives Seattle a very incident.
2: tilting at the time. By the way, for me.
1: You know what, I think we said it on the podcast a little <laughs> while ago, Dan, Yeah, that Jihad Ward was going to take some face mask penalties <laughs> because... He's gotten away with like three of this season. <laughs> and, uh, they have to call it eventually. Um, the, the Giants were due. <laughs> yeah, they were due. They were due. Here, look
2: at look at 49 here. You want to see a great play by a player who back into the roster, Tamon Fox, 49, who just made the roster, had the big hit in the preseason, and comes with physicality every single snap he gets. And look at him shed the blocker, 84 here, coming around to make the tackle. This is an awesome play.
1: I love Tamon Fox, man. He's so physical. So Parkinson is the sniffer on this play and he comes across the formation motions and he just gets a clear shot right at Fox and Fox absorbs it and then just tosses 84 to the ground and then Fox has the wherewithal and the body control and everything to find Kenneth Walker and make the tackle like this is a great play against this counter type of run where you also have Damian Lewis pulling to the play side and I feel like the Giants against the power gap type runs these counter runs that Seattle ran I feel like they were so much more disciplined in this game which says something about how they were coached throughout the week. Cause like we said, them um, yes. against Jacksonville it was not like this. So you could see how, look, look how many giant bodies are, are to the play side here. Jalen Smith reads it. Micah McFadden reads it. They're all in position to make tackles here, but it's Tom and Fox, who was the kickout defender who ends up making it ultimately for, for a gain of, I think two. How much pure strength does it take
2: for a player to absorb that contact with a sniffer coming around at full speed and not only absorb it, shed him, and then make the tackle. Like that's just a rare trait right there. It seems like a rare trait of strength right there, just core strength for Tum and Fox. Cause that dude Parkinson was coming around 100 miles per hour off uh, as the sniffer and just ram. And he just gets no movement. Tum and
1: Fox doesn't move at all crazy. Tom Foxy, he's strong and he had the benefit of having somebody kind of back there to help him absorb it. But I've seen him so many times and you're going to see him at the end of the game too. absorb that type of contact and then find a way to disengage. He has pretty effective hands for a guy who wasn't drafted. I'm still kind of surprised he wasn't drafted. He was really productive at UNC and I felt like his tape was pretty solid as well. Yep.
2: Here's a good example of the Seahawks recognizing some pre-snap leverage and just taking a quick easy seven yards on a quick hitting screen, bubble screen.
1: Set up a third and one, too. But yeah, you could see what Dan means by the pre snap leverage. Look, there's only one defender who's not, you know, eight yards off the ball. And that's another smart thing that the Seahawks do. They motion Tyler Lockett in front of the formation. That's going to be eye candy and also brings Jalen Smith more to the middle of the hashes. Now you just kick Charles Cross out into space and get the football to Marquise Goodwin with really only a safety to beat blockers out there. But the Giants do a pretty good job rallying in the football to set up a third and one. Yeah, and on this third and one here,
2: Seahawks come close to scoring a touchdown with what I thought was a really nice ball here from Geno Smith, but you also get a really good pressure from Leonard Williams on this play, who was having a great game, but look at that back foot, Geno Smith throws the receiver open by leading the receiver. I love when quarterbacks actually throw the receiver open. Instead of waiting for them to get open, he kind of throws it to a spot where the guy will be open, and I'm surprised they didn't score a touchdown on this one, when you re- which re-watch the replay. I mean, Geno Smith... Throwing with the pressure from Leonard Williams and just kind of places it perfectly, leads him perfectly, but good coverage.
1: It's good coverage, but you should catch it, too. Like, I don't think Dory Jackson gets his hand on this ball. This is the deep over route. Geno Smith hits his back foot. Doesn't even really. Yeah, like you said, he can't really even step into it. We'll see it from the end zone angle as well. You could see how Leonard Williams just having his best game of 2022 easily. But this was also just poor blocking attempt. So, like, Will Disley hardly makes contact on him, and the guard goes to double-team Justin Ellis to really sell the run. the hell needs to double-team Justin Ellis? Yeah, to sell the run. I think they were really trying to sell the run here. But, geez, it almost got them killed. And this is such a good example of arm talent, right? Like, he's off his back
2: foot here, Geno Smith, basically off platform, and just perfectly throws this ball into a spot and it drops right into the receiver's hand like this is a crazy ball too right here i was so impressed look at it from that angle you can see that ball he really should have been caught um i was so impressed with Geno smith's arm
1: talent i didn't know he had this kind of art level arm
2: talent that was kind of the biggest surprise for me with gino
1: yeah i knew he had a good arm but definitely not like this 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 is yeah. ridiculous man this is ridiculous type stuff and this sets up a fourth and one and on this drive man it's one of the stories of the game the giants defense gave up two fourth and short like earlier in the season they don't yeah, do that you know right and this was a really nice play design tyler lockett in the backfield he just motions across the face of geno smith who fades back and just delivers a, an easy pass with the pressure right in his face i mean the giants want to bring pressure here i totally get that but getting tyler lockett into the flat running across the formation in man coverage darnay holmes like it's not on darnay holmes to cover that like it's really difficult for darnay holmes to get there and the, Seattle Seahawks basically built a wall right here. Like, look, but Darnay Holmes needs to fight right. through because you have three receivers from the side where Tyler Lockett runs his route, running crossers. And that's just to pick Darnay Holmes. So this is an easy pitch and catch on fourth and one. And I
2: like it's a subtle thing to point out from that end zone angle, but I do like how Geno Smith's able to change his arm slot. He doesn't go with the over the top throw. He goes with the three fourths throw. And that is the reason he's able to get that ball over the uh Jalen Smith. It looks like he's trying to bat at the line of scrimmage.
1: That's the first fourth down conversion on this drive. Again, 15 play drive. And now we have a first and 10. Leonard Williams, bro. Like, this yeah, is vintage insane. Leonard Williams,
2: right? Insane individual play here. Look at it. A 99.
1: A tw- wow. It's a two yard power gap run to the field side, the strong side, with one tight end on the line of scrimmage. And you have Leonard Williams to the three technique with Kayvon Thibodeau outside of the tight end. So. Seattle pulls the backside guard. You have the tackle and the guard who double team Leonard Williams. So this is, right now, it's looking like a great play because then you use tight end Will Disley to climb right to Micah McFadden, who was the strong side linebacker there, or the middle linebacker, I guess you should say, since the Sam is Kayvon Thibodeau, who was the kickout blocker. So Now you have some pretty good blocks with just Julian Love against Kenneth Walker, but holy crap, Leonard Williams splits the double-team. Kayvon Thibodeau kind of falls into the rushing path, and then they both kind of make the tackle on kenneth walker but dude if you look at it looks like leonard williams is levitating on that dive just crazy (laughs) crazy athletic play from leonard williams reminds me of his 2020 season and hopefully he can consistently play like this because holy crap the giants defensive line could realistically be one of the top defensive line units when they're fully healthy and leonard williams is playing like this
2: if leonard williams plays like he played in this game and if dexter lawrence plays like he played for most of the season and we get a step forward from Thibodeau and whatever we can get from Ojolari. You're right. This could be one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Now, it's not to me like still not going to ever get to that level of like the 2007 or 2011 Giants. Just it's a different kind of group, right? With, with Williams and Lawrence. It's not the same level of pass rushers, I wouldn't say. But just overall defensive linemen helping against the run as well. When you factor in that as well, I'd say it could be like not that effective, but a very effective defensive line.
1: Yeah, no one's going to say it. 07. Like 07 was silly, man. Uminor, yeah. Tuck, Strahan. I mean, Strahan, he retired the next year, but he was playing at such a high level still, still. playing at ILO, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He was phenomenal. One of my favorite Giants of all time. Without a doubt. Then we have a play-action pass that ends up going incomplete. It's covered really well by the Giants. So you can see how the Seahawks pull Tight, they, they fake the counter run. They pull the tight end and the guard, and then they just roll Geno Smith out. But the Giants don't fall for it here. I love the discipline that the Giants are showing early in this game right now. Like, even the plays that Seattle are, are hitting on, they're well designed plays. And they're, some of them are just the Seattle Seahawks defeating the New York Giants in one on one matchups. It's not like in Jacksonville when the Giants defense just look completely lost. Yeah. And
2: some of them are even requiring like really good throws from the quarterback, which isn't going to always happen depending on the opponent they're matched up with.
1: This is a frustrating play, though. This third Nate right here. Yes. Geno Smith, he just evades the pocket. Leonard Williams, I believe that is, or no, it's Tom and Fox almost gets a sack. And then Kayvon Thibodeau is in space I'm against Geno Smith. And Geno Smith, man, no one really talks about him as, as a really good athlete. But whenever he's out running and he's in space, you can see his athletic ability. Like he's able to just bounce this right inside, right around Kayvon Thibodeau. And Geno Smith picks up. I believe six yards to set up a fourth and two. Yeah, but you'd I like, like to
2: see Thibodeau, I think, make a better play on this. To be honest with you,
1: yeah, you would like that
2: because it could have, it would have set up a fourth and long, and then they just would have kicked a field goal.
1: I think it's important to highlight the coverage though. So Tyler Lockett is the backside receiver with uh, well, it ends up being a two by two set after Noah Fant motions off the ass of DK Metcalf, and Tyler Lockett just runs a drag route, and the Giants double team him. So the safety comes down from his safety spot, Xavier McKinney, and he just goes right out the Tyler Lockett's upfield hip with the Dory Jackson kind of trailing on the backside of him. And then that leaves DK Metcalf, who was running kind of like a deep post type of route. It's more like an in and up type route. You have Fabian Moreau, who kind of assumes trail with the safety Xavier McKinney, actually over the top of DK Metcalf. It must've been Julian Love kind of coming down on Tyler Lockett. So you have double teams on both of the reliable receivers with man coverage against these tight end options. Noah fan will disley. I like that type of play call in this area of the field. Geno Smith doesn't know where to go with the football evades. The rushers does a good job doing that. And then just picks up the yards that are available to him with his legs.
2: Yeah. With a really nice fake on Kayvon. sets up the fourth and two, this is going to be their second fourth down conversion of this drive. Again, this is a touchdown drive, a big one in this game, two fourth down conversions. So not ideal, but, Really good, well-run play here. We've seen this work from a lot of teams, the Chiefs, blah, blah, blah. You you guys know it by now. It's the fake handoff shovel pass. It's really hard to stop this
1: play. Yeah, Will Disley just ends up taking it. I mean, it's such a good run fake, right? Because Will Disley usually is the puller anyways. So you're paying attention to the run. You can see Jalen Smith reads it. He gets himself in the position for the run, but it's that little shovel pass. Yeah, that's
2: a great play. We should should run this all the time. Like, How do you even stop this play? You need penetration from the D-line, I guess. A quick penetration, that's your best bet.
1: Yeah, I think you would need Jihad Ward not to get pinned up against right. Dexter Lawrence like he is. Like, that's real. Like, I think that's true. Yeah, that's Charles Cross. Man. I'm telling you, dude, <sighs> Giant fans don't want to hear it, but Charles Cross is, he's good. He's going to be a good football player. <laughs>
2: yeah, he's going to be a damn good football player. And that doesn't mean Evan Neal is not going to be as good. No, of we course not. Possible, though. That's certainly possible. Of course um, not. But um, I was, I, I, I never thought, I never got understood at all the people who were like, Charles Cross doesn't belong in that conversation of the top three. I thought he, I, I was very sold on him from watching his film.
1: I like Charles Cross. I got the concerns about him coming from an air raid, but that oh, yeah. can be completely put to bed with the way both of these guys are playing. Cause they Blue right. came from an air raid system at wazoo as well. So like you can kind of throw that out and focus a little bit. Like I understand it because they don't run the ball that much, but look at Charles Cross. This is a, a running type of play, even though it's a pass, and you can just see the way he bends and the way he able to explode low to high and use his hands. He's he's dog, bro. And he really just owns Jihad Ward on this play. And Micah McFadden, poor Micah McFadden is put into a, between a rock and a hard place. So he has to set and take Kenneth Walker because he thinks Walker has the ball. And then he's the player responsible to make the tackle on Will Disley. So a tough place for the rookie to find himself.
2: So. Yep. Well said by you. Got a couple of nice- on first and goal
1: one stop and then a touchdown. Yeah. Let's watch the stop. Like right? You see Leonard Williams and Tamon Fox. Fox, again, just sheds, and then Leonard Williams just meets. Fox just kind of like throws that guy off him, but the guy does a really good job kind of magnetizing to Xavier McKinney there, but he just left Tamon Fox, who uses a really violent outside arm kind of just shove to get Parkinson off of him and then locate Kenneth Walker. Four Giants end up making this tackle. Unfortunately, on the next play, you get the DK Metcalf touchdown pass.
2: Yeah, and there were a lot of open options for the Seattle Seahawks on this. The Giants second level guys but bought, bought bit really hard on the play fake, on the run fake here. You can see just from that angle, the step big step that they all take forward, all three of those guys, McKinney included, um, opens up a lot. I mean, he can hit Goodwin. He has tons of options here and he goes for he takes a little bit more time and then finds DK Metcalf wide open in the end zone.
1: So it's basically like almost a mesh type of concept in this area of the field. You just have two horizontal crossers and then DK Metcalf sits in behind both of them. And Julian Love ends up kind of taking D Eskridge, which clears out the space for DK Metcalf to sit right underneath the goalpost.
2: Yeah, really easy pitch and catch there. Nice design against that. And again, again, it's a good play fake. Like the Giants had to respect the run there. It's second goal from the two. What are you going to do?
1: Exactly. Now we get to see a fun play, right? This yep. is uh, the New York Giants have an excellent punt by Jamie Gillen to pin the Seattle Seahawks back deep. And then... Dory Jackson shows up and strips Tyler Lockett. I don't even know how we really stripped. It, it wasn't like a peanut punch or anything. I, don't know,
2: I know. I thought it was on the first and it wasn't. It was kind of like, let's see if we can see it better from the other. I don't think we'll be able to see it better from the other angle. It's probably the best angle we'll get. It's just
1: yeah. a, it's, it's just bad. It might've been bobbling around. Cause yeah. Tyler Lockett from the backside motions, Geno Smith sees the leverage, sees the space that, Tyler Lockett has on a Dory Jackson. So gives him the football and Dory does the Dory things, closes quick to the catch point, makes a nice tackle and lock just poops right out right before he hits the ground.
2: And that's my big takeaway. The, the, the key thing I see is a Dory Jackson having the athleticism and, and raw speed to close. Like he closed on that play. Cause that's not going to happen from every giant's corner or every corner in general.
1: No, it's not. And that's one thing that I think has been consistent throughout the film through these first eight games is just how quick a Dory Jackson is to To take it, to put himself into position when he's initially out of position. He wasn't really even out of position there, but it, it was a play designed for Tyler Lockett, right? Like that play is specifically designed to hit him, getting, get him on the move in man coverage where the off guy is going to be a little bit behind him because he has to react to what Tyler Lockett is doing. But Dor Jackson, man, he's, he's been one of my favorite players on the Giants this season,
2: without a doubt. So then the Seahawks get the ball back for their six drive. And it's another really good stop by the Giants. At this point, they've given up one long touchdown drive. But besides that, all punts uh, and then one fumble. And this is just a five-play, two-yard drive followed by a punt. So you get really good defense on this, starting with this excellent run defense from Leonard Williams on the first place. So focus in on 99.
1: And you could see, look at the defensive front for the Giants. You have five guys on the line of scrimmage, 13 personnel for Seattle, single back, and... Both of the edges, Jihad Ward and Taman Fox, are outside of the outermost tight ends. So you have Julian Love pressed up on the line of scrimmage with Nick McLeod pressed up on the line of scrimmage and then two linebackers. So you're talking about a lot of people next to the line of scrimmage, and you can see how the Giants press the offensive line back with Justin Ellis and Dexter Lawrence. And then Leonard Williams just swims over the top of Abe Lucas gets isolated against the tight end and then makes the tackle from the backside. This is the type of stuff that I was hoping was going to happen. The New York giants were going to play these stretch zone, these outside zone right. type of running scheme. And the giants typically play this type of run in style very well. And Seattle is one of the best teams in the NFL running it right now.
2: I love to hear that because you're so right. When you do face these type of zone based running games, you have the ability to have that type of play happen where the defensive lineman could just swim over and make the play himself, but the penetration. And I just, Thought it was an excellent example right there of what you can get from this Giants run defense. After that, we have a little PA rollout on second and seven here. Um, I guess this was five yards to maybe I did they get they got a first down on this actually. So I was wrong. It was not a three and out. They did get a first down, but then the sacks is kind of what ended up taking the yardage back on this drive.
1: Yeah, which is so unfortunate, man, because the defense, this is right after the fumble right after the Saquon Barkley touchdown. The defense is playing so well here. And yeah, Adoy Jackson surrenders this little quick curl. He's an off leverage to to DK Metcalf. Great pass and play from Geno Smith. It's up first and 10 where Leonard Williams gets his impressive sack with an inside spin counter move against Austin Blythe.
2: So nice. The sack was so pretty.
1: And Alston Blythe, like you could see, Leonard Williams expects right here to be engaged by the guard, but Seattle shifts their line to account for Tay Crowder, who is not in the Mike position. He's on the Will position, right, with Tamon Fox. So that gets Leonard Williams against Blythe, and Leonard Williams just feels where Blythe is and just spins, and I love that part right there. This is Seattle like the underrated hand. part of the spin, is you use the, the spin side arm to club the Seattle defender away from you to create that extra separation. (laughs) Leonard Williams kind of makes contact right at the nape of the neck of Austin Blythe spins off, locates Geno Smith sack vintage Leonard Williams type stuff here, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Yeah, this is the, if he can continue to play at this level, that's a really good sign for the giants in the second half, especially as it gets colder and defense is even more important um, as we move forward.
1: And also Noah Fant kind of blowing his initial assignment here definitely helped because like we said, Seattle's shifting their line to the right, to their right. So that means Charles Cross is going to step down. Noah Fant, I think he expects that he might have to take Jihad Ward if Jalen Smith, 54, who is not showing pressure, comes on the blitz. So he steps to Jihad Ward, but he doesn't even account for Nick McLeod. Nick McLeod ends up coming off the edge and Colby Parkinson from the backside recognizes that and comes over. So Now you have two tight ends on on Nick McLeod and nobody paying attention to any of these other defenders. They're all accounted for, but all you need is one Giant to win their one-on-one matchup, and Leonard Williams does so with his Yeah. Sets up the
2: second and 17 situation where the Seahawks just take what the Giants are giving them pre-snap, in my mind, with this little seven-yard run. Not a That's bad a cut, problem. too, by Homer.
1: Now, Homer's actually a pretty good back.
2: Yeah, he's solid.
1: Like, for for one of these backup, like, little scat-back dudes. Tamon Fox makes this tackle and they end up picking up seven here to set up a reasonable third and 10 opportunity, especially after we saw what Seattle did on the third and 14 or earlier in the game. And this is the Xavier McKinney sack. And this is just
2: yeah, back to the good scheme by Wink Martindale. You know, we haven't had as many examples in recent weeks, I guess, when this was another example of the offensive line being kind of fooled a bit by this.
1: We talked a lot about Wink Martindale before he was the before he ever coached a game for the Giants about how he attacks the B-gap. He did it all the time with the Ravens. He's doing it here with the Giants. And you could see, man, this is a six-man protection and Travis Homer ends up blowing his assignment here. Nobody picks up Xavier McKinney. If you're watching this on YouTube, you don't even see Xavier McKinney on the screen from right. the end zone angle. You have Taman Fox and, and Kayvon Thibodeau. Kayvon Thibodeau is wide to Travis Homer's side. Taman Fox is wide off of uh, Charles Cross. And then you have two eye techniques and Jahad Ward and Leonard Williams with Landon Collins and Dane Belton, basically on three technique, two point stance. So he, everybody is essentially occupied right here. They all come except for Jihad Ward, who drops into a middle hook, flashes his eyes to Noah Fant to take him. If he ends up coming inside, then he just sends Xavier McKinney towards Abraham Lucas and Dane Belton, on Thibodeau's side. And what do you have? You have two versus... Two, if Travis Homer blows his assignment, then this is a free rusher right in on Geno Smith. And Travis Homer is more worried about Landon Collins here because he thinks Jihad Ward is coming on this blitz. But Jihad Ward drops off, Tom and Fox drops off, and then what do you have? You have four Seattle Seahawks blockers taking on Leonard Williams and Landon Collins, like wasting blockers, Dan. And this is what and we're just
2: talking two about. against uh, Belton, McKinney, and Thibodeau. So yep. re- and this
1: is because of pre-snap alignment. That's why yeah. Travis Homer does not even recognize that Xavier McKinney is coming. You can see pre-snap. Travis Homer is looking directly at Landon Collins. And you can even look at Geno Smith's eyes, Dan. Like Geno Smith's eyes, they go to the side where he thinks right. there's going right. to be gonna common Fox and Jihad Ward coming, but both of those guys drop into coverage. So he has to double clutch think he burps the baby. And then by that point, Xavier McKinney gets a sack.
2: So well broken down and such an excellent design by the Giants. So they get off the field there, force a punt right away. Then they have a seventh drive here. This is an unfortunate one for the Giants' defense, just because they're put in such an annoying spot. It was a Richie James fumble, the first fumble of the game, Richie James fumble 1.0, um, and sets the Seahawks up with a, you know, a short field. So they really don't even do much here, um, for example. But despite them not doing much, they're able to get three points out of it. So.
1: 94 is on the field, Dan. Ellerson Smith yeah. sighting. Here's your first look at Ellerson Smith, boys and girls. I would uh, love for him to have made the play here. Yeah. Instead, he kind of gets sucked back inside. Yeah. I, I think he probably, I don't know if he thought that there was going to be a cutback lane, but this is a play. It was a touch pass from D to D Eskridge coming across the formation, and then everybody steps to the play side to block. Ellerson Smith is the relatively unblocked defender, although Will Disley puts a hand on him. And then he ends up getting kind of chipped by... Kenneth Walker, but he doesn't make this play and this ends up going for I think three yards. Because one thing he does do, I guess, is force D Eskridge towards the towards the sideline east west. And then Dory Jackson kind of comes down and makes the tackle. Yep. And then they have an
2: illegal formation penalty, which sets up a second and twelve. And here comes just an absolutely insane throw from Geno Smith. I hate to we hate to praise the guy over and over, but I mean he had an incredible game. Uh this ball placement is just absolutely phenomenal. Look at this thing.
1: It's 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 crazy. And yes, Tyler Lockett doesn't get his foot in bounds. That doesn't take away from the fact that this is an insane pass. Look at where that ball drops in. Like there's
2: just no room between the corner and the sideline. And there's just nowhere to throw this football, but exactly there to have any chance. Lockett, luckily for the Giants, doesn't get his foot in, which was huge. It saved us four points. But I mean, and love who. Does a good job, I thought we talked about in the past podcast, a little savvy to not get the DPI. But I mean, Gino's is a pretty muddy pocket. It's not even really throwing from a fully clean platform here as he steps through the pressure. um, And he's just able to get perfect, perfect trajectory and touch on the football.
1: We'll show that one more time, too, just because it's really impressive. But the Giants send the house again, man. Tay Crowder and Xavier McKinney come blitzing off the edge. And look at this. Dexter Lawrence gets some pressure. Geno Smith, good job in the pocket. Like that's wow. a very catchable pass. Like Tyler Lockett catches this, I think 9 out of 10 times. Yes, he gets the second foot in 9 out of 10 times. Cuz look, there's there's plenty of space between the sideline and where Tyler Lockett catches this football. He just doesn't get that foot in, which is really kind of uncharacteristic of Tyler Lockett.
2: So I also it's thought so it was laughable. good coverage. It was, it was amazing. Yeah, the coverage was right there, dude, Then the side. The coverage is there and the out of bounds is right there. This it's is dropped on a dime. dime. It's this dropped is, on a dime. This is his best throw of the game for me. And he had some others, but this, for me, will go down to his best throw of the game.
1: And this sets up a third and 12 where the Giants hold Marcus Goodwin to a four-yard gain to set up the field goal.
2: And you want to but- talk about just a little thing that I noticed on this one, Nick? And you can see from either angle, but what did we get killed by last week? Travis Etienne running that little 47-yarder to start the half when uh, I think it was... Uh, Darnay Holmes tried to make a move inside, lost contain. Here you see the total opposite from Dory Jackson, from just the technique standpoint. He keeps outside contain the whole time, doesn't try to make a move to to beat him on the inside. And what does that do? It helps cut off the angle for good one.
1: Yeah, and you can see Julian Loves right in the alley. So, good one. Like, okay, I guess I have to go outside. But both Giants defenders, Adoree Jackson and Dane Belton, just kind of flow towards the outside and surrender like maybe a yard or two after that little catch right there.
2: It was really well, a good discipline there from a defense that didn't have great discipline against the Jags.
1: No discipline against the Jags, we're going to be honest. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> weird game. Really weird game. Um, then there was one play at the half, but that was right. just like a kneel down. So, here's the first play on offense for Seattle in the third quarter, which didn't come until six minutes left because the Giants went on their own long drive. Yeah, almost a nine-minute drive
2: for the Giants. Crazy stuff here. Um,
1: Then the Seahawks go on a seven-play, 42-yard field goal drive here on this drive to start the half. Yeah, this is an excellent play right here by Fabian Moreau to trip up Kenneth Walker when he was hitting the cutback lane. You can see, again, Giants play everything well to the play side, but Jihad Ward kind of over-pursues the cutback lane. Adoree Jackson goes wide on Will Disley and gets eliminated. And now you don't have contained to the backside of this outside stretch zone run. But holy crap, does Fabian Moreau make a really big tackle to just kind of trip him up? Because this could have been a huge run by Kenneth Walker.
2: Yeah, he saved a big-time run there, Fabian Moreau. So it was an excellent play. And then it sets up this 10-yard gain here on a second and seven here. A little bit of double puller power action. Um, nice cut back there by Kenneth Walker.
1: Yeah, you can see Jalen Smith is in a tough spot here to absorb this block. And Micah McFadden ends up blitzing. So it was just a, a call where it was unfortunate because Micah McFadden blitzed and he didn't adjust. So he just eliminates himself from this play. And Jalen Smith doesn't have any help to the inside other than Julian Love, the last line of defense. Somehow, Jalen Smith, despite absorbing this lead blocker right here from Abraham Lucas gets enough of Kenneth Walker to bring him down. So nice individual effort.
2: It was a huge bounce back game from Jalen Smith in general. Maybe the position change helped him a lot, but he just played so much more discipline in this game. And, and one thing you noticed and you pointed out about last game, Nick, he wasn't really playing like his hair was on fire the whole game.
1: No, he wasn't, where he was looked like he drank like five monsters yeah. and then some jacked three D or whatever the hell the kids are taking these days.
2: Yeah. Like, it was that's like what he bit. looks
1: like a lot out there, but it looked a little bit better. You can even see here he's bouncing a lot, which is fine, but like he he's very hoppy, you know. Definitely drinks caffeine.
2: It's a little nineteen yard or twenty one yard uh check down here to Travis Homer.
1: Yeah, it was a frustrating twenty one yard check down. Very you deep. got Michael McFadden on the field, not not as much Tay Crowder out here. Saw Michael McFadden a lot more, but then again, this is the reasons why you, I don't like seeing Michael McFadden on the field because Michael McFadden needs to pay attention to this checkdown option. You could see like how Travis Homer tries to fight through the line of scrimmage because he goes into like the the fake like little play action mesh point or whatever to slow down the pass rush, and then he works his way through. And Michael McFadden sets to the outside of Homer, but you have so much field to cover, and Jalen Smith's occupied with the receiver, so then Michael McFadden can't even get to Travis Homer. Like these are the types of plays that Michael McFadden makes that piss me off.
2: Yeah, and that's why he's not playing a full complement of snaps like some of the other rookies who worked their way really quickly into it, like Daniel Bellinger, for example.
1: Yeah, Bellinger was a stud, though. Now we have a first and 10. Giants bring seven men right here. Cover zero blitz. Gino Smith gets a football out of his hand quickly to Colby Parkinson for five yards. I love the pressure, though, man. Look, it doesn't get home here. It actually gets picked up pretty well, but you only have four guys out on the route. They're going to go cover zero, man. Send it, you know? Send it strong. Jalen Smith doesn't really come initially. He more so is paying attention to Kenneth Walker, but Kenneth Walker gets eliminated by Micah McFadden. So Jalen Smith just ends up green-dogging.
2: Yeah, excellent call-out by you there, Nick. Love when Wink does give those covers hero looks, right? A seven-man blitz. We're one of the only teams in the NFL, I think. Not not the only team, but we run that a little bit more than some of these other teams, and it's it's interesting because you can see it sometimes have a lot of success.
1: And we get another nice play by the Giants' run defense where the Seattle motions 31 DJ Dallas around kind of like an orbit type of motion, almost just around the backside. Like Gino Smith's going to throw this, like it could be an RPO with a lead blocker, but he hands the football off to Travis Homer. And then the giants just kind of rally to make this tackle only ends up being, I think a three yard gain for Seattle to set up a third and two,
2: which is huge because this is the play where the giants get off the field. The giants got very lucky, but you know, if he gets the first down there, it's a whole new set of downs. And here you see, Great anticipatory throwing by Geno Smith, a legit perfect ball that hits the receiver in stride, um, and it's just dropped. It's very lucky for the Giants. It just gets dropped.
1: I'm telling you, there's so many man beaters out of a stack that Shane Waldron employed against Wink Martindale. Like right here, you have the stack to the bottom of the screen with, with another receiver, almost like a bunch, the tight end Will Disley. Everything's reduced inside of the numbers. Tyler Lockett is the number two receiver on the line of scrimmage. And what does he do? Steps on a million ants right there. You see how he fires his feet. And then the number one receiver, number 11, just runs directly at Darnay Holmes, I think that is, to set that pick. And then you have, now you have Tyler Lockett at the bottom of the numbers exploding all the way to the sideline. With a Dory Jackson, who could be that vertical defender, but he works inside because he sees Tyler Lockett release inward a little bit and he sees 11 go inside. So he's just influenced to the inside. And then Tyler Lockett explodes and just has leverage on everybody. It's just an excellent play design right there. Gino Smith buys his time, buys his time, holds that safety. You can see how he's holding the safety, holding the safety flashes his eyes. Tyler Lockett knows he's going to have him open delivers a great ball. And somehow Tyler Lockett just drops it. Tyler Lockett had a terrible game until he didn't. Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just some of the things that I've noticed as far as like, what are we seeing when we talk about Gino having such a good game he has so many examples, like what you just said, where he holds the safety and then he snaps back and he knows what he's going to have. That's the difference. These players who are playing at the elite level, in my mind, at quarterback, always know what they're going to have based on the post-snap coverage. And he does such a good job. Hold, 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 snap back and throw the ball. And it's an anticipatory throw because he doesn't know for, he doesn't see the receiver open when he makes the throw. He just knows that that receiver is going to be open. And then look at him, just drops it outside shoulder. It it's perfectly in stride. Does not have to slow down for the football. Does not have to catch up to the football perfectly in stride to his outside shoulder.
1: And dude, look before the snap, he's pointing out Jalen Smith. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. Telling Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker steps up. So yeah. he's setting the blitz protection. Then right here, he's looking at the safety, holding the safety, holding the safety. Hits the back foot, and the play design is to Tyler Lockett. Don't 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 get it twisted. Right. Seattle knows that this is going to be man coverage, and he takes advantage of it. But geez, man, like. What a pass! And then it just kind of
2: can't (laughs) walk that ball any any easier to Tyler Lockett, especially since his outside shoulder. It's just as pretty as it gets. Um, and I thought it was interesting that you know, as far as what you just said before, how like the play was designed there. He knew that. They designed a lot of plays in this game, Seattle, on third and short situations over the top. That's something I've always appreciated and loved in offensive coordinators and quarterbacks and teams in general. When they don't try to just convert the third and shorts, they actually use that as a down where they can take a big chunk play because it is a really good down to get chunk plays because the defense is going to set up to try to stop you from converting the third down. That's their number one objective. So I love the teams that are willing to take shots there.
1: Yeah, I would, I would like to see a little bit more shots. I mean, Agreed. I think some of them were dialed up by Kafka. They just weren't thrown, which is something we got into on the last podcast. If anybody wants to go and check it out. But now, you know, you get a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive yeah. on this ninth drive by Seattle. And something, man. Let's add this shit to the stream, and we'll get it going.
2: Yeah, they were really starting to hit a groove here as an offense, as you saw from that last drive. They should have had a touchdown, but Lockett dropped the easy open one. And now here they do actually get a touchdown with a 75-play yard drive. Um, Here it just opens up here with an 11-yard throw to DK Metcalf, taking advantage of the leverage pre-snap. Look how far off Fabian Moreau plays.
1: Fabian Moreau is really far off, but also we saw that little orbit type of motion from DJ Dallas just kind of going around, and now you have the lead blocker, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas to the backside, Leaving DK Metcalf by himself, and now Darnay Holmes is taken away from that flat. So just take what the defense gives you, and then throw the football. It's just easy, right there, because the Giants are in middle of the field, closed. Looks like some sort of cover three type look, like it could have been, but that motion took Darnay Holmes away from the flat, and now the four underneath defenders are expanded towards the middle of the field and where all the eligible receivers are not named DK Metcalf. Yeah,
2: exactly. 11-yard gain, then we have another 6-yard gain followed by that 11-yard gain, so they're starting to pick up some things again. Just take advantage of what the Giants show pre-snap, quick easy hitter for 11 yard, or
1: 6 yards, sorry. Yeah, Marcus good one just makes a catch against off coverage, picks up 6 yards against Dory Jackson. Now you can start really see the chess match brewing to set up the second and four play action slide 12 yards to Tyler Lockett right underneath Gino Smith. Giants Once don't again, pick it up.
2: Open in the open in the left flat. This is the, this is the third time where they had a receiver just wide open. This is how you beat these types of pre-snap coverages. What what would this, this would be? Uh, let's see. Yep. Just no one in the flat there for the Giants.
1: Yeah. You can see Fabian Moreau bites on the play action element. He bites down. Yep realizes Tyler Lockett's coming across and then tries to get back into position here. It's I'm wondering if
2: Crowder actually it looks like to cut. To wondered,
1: yeah, it is. It is. Morell might be blitzing no matter what, but then because there are no receivers on this side, there are tight ends on this side. So you have the two, you have no offense on this side. But once DK Metcalf motions behind the back of Geno Smith. That might tell Fabian Moreau to blitz. Now you have the safety deep, and then you have Tay Crowder who ends up biting a little bit on the run, but he ends up getting outside the title locket to at least slow him down before Moreau can get to lock it and make the tackle. I swear, Moreau, Moreau's got some serious hustle, man. We talk about him like yeah. every week making a tackle from behind like that. But that's another really good play design on a second and four to pick up a first down by Shane Waldron.
2: Well said. And then we have right after that, this was a really nice throw to the to the to the left hash here by Geno Smith. Good ball placement, good velocity, gets it outside the to the outside shoulder to away from the cornerback. Um, and it's, just, it's a quick strike here to DK Metcalf. Quick out, quick strike for 13.
1: And you could see how much success Seattle's having on the backside of three by one with DK Metcalf, their true ex-receiver. It's a three by one set. And Geno Smith reads the leverage of Fabian Morell Fabian Morell what does he do? Right when DK Metcalf is eating into his stem and running into his leverage, he angles his butt inward. So he's going to not allow DK Metcalf to go inside and give him the outside. Geno Smith reads this along with DK Metcalf, and he throws the football. So that's just another play where these two are on the same page, and the Giants kind of give up this free access play to the backside receiver.
2: Yep. Let's take a look from the end zone angle real quick. I just kind of want to see this throw from that standpoint.
1: You can see yeah, just really pressure on Geno's. Yeah, there definitely is. Kavon Thibodeau. I don't think he wins around the end. I think Charles Cross does a really good job stabbing with that outside arm and then just riding Kayvon Thibodeau up the yard. You see Kayvon Thibodeau is in no position to separate right here. And the pocket is is intact. That's, That's a yeah, awesome. good good drive by de- yeah, by uh, comes out on an
2: absolute line um, into a pretty tight window. So then it sets up the touchdown here. And you this can see is- how they're
1: using tempo too. Seattle right. Tempo
2: has using- been killing the Giants for years now, even back to the, the Graham days.
1: It's tough to it's tough to defend, but there's the double move by Tyler Lockett. T- Tyler Lockett acts like he's sinking his hips and decelerating about 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Adoree Jackson, he bites on it, and Tyler Lockett goes right by him for an easy touchdown, and Geno delivers another. This, this pass, first off, he does the pump fake to really yep. get Adoree Jackson it. to sell, but this is a far hash throw right. from about the 40-yard line. Geno Smith takes a hit, and he delivers it right to the front pylon.
2: That's crazy, that throw. I mean, the fact that he has he pumps, so he can't, he's coming off the pump, so he doesn't really have a chance to recollect, and the fact that he's taking a massive hit while throwing it, so he doesn't even have a full, clean pocket to, to get this through. It's a crazy ball right there. This dude was just dropping dimes.
1: He was dropping dimes all, all day. He really I was. See that
2: from the end zone. I want to see how it looks from the end zone angle with this trajectory.
1: Yeah, we definitely will. It looks like it's a cover three match type defense. You have the one middle of the field high safety, and Xavier McKinney kind of gets a beat on this. He's flowing in that direction, but the throw just beats Xavier McKinney to the spot, and Dory Jackson kind of abandons his deep third responsibility by biting on the play action element of the play. And you could
2: see them talking after the play, Dory and McKinney. So there might have been a little bit of different uh, miscommunication there, or expectation, I should say, there.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think Adoree Jackson thought he might have had help. It is a little bit uncharacteristic for Adoree Jackson. I mean, the pump fake might have got him, but it's a little bit uncharacteristic for Adoree Jackson to be undisciplined in, in a spot like that. So right. it might have been a little bit more that meets the eye. And look at Kayvon Thibodeau and Charles Cross right here, man. Two top 10 picks just going at it. Kayvon Thibodeau, like, it almost looks like a street fight, like the way they're throwing their arms. Mainly Kayvon Thibodeau, just violent chop right there. Just... Yeah. Kayvon he Thibodeau later. And he gets the hit. Like, look... Kayvon Thibodeau is trying to get hip to hip. Charles Cross does a good job preventing that. And then you see the violent chop by Kayvon Thibodeau. And then Kayvon Thibodeau uses his inside hand to swat the inside hand of Charles Cross off of him. And then he tries to chop the inside arm down to go inside. And he successfully does it. It just is a millisecond too late. But that is some efficient handwork right there from Kayvon Thibodeau. A little bit uh, awkward looking. Like you don't usually see dudes throwing like three huge <laughs> power throws while stagnant and not moving. It's a little <laughs> bit unconventional. But he ends up getting the quarterback hit, but just too late.
2: Yeah. Just a second too late. He drops that diamond there for the touchdown here. Um, And then we have the 10th drive, which I think was right after the three and out from the giants. So it was 20 to 13. Um, And the giants actually get their own three and out on this drive. This was the one, this was the backbreaker too, because despite, you know, still a ball game, 20 to 13, one possession giants get a really good stop here. And then boom, fumble 2.0 from Richie James.
1: Yeah, man. Giants are able to hold Seattle here. This is a Really good run defense, but Kenneth Walker kind of runs into the back of Charles Cross. But look at Jalen Smith and how he eats this puller. Gets right into the lane and delivers a shot on Charles Cross. That's a good play by Jalen Smith to clog up the gap. Because this is another one of those counter runs where Seattle pulls three or two guys. Noah Fant steps down and fans. Tom and Fox eats the lead blocker. It's a GT. Leonard Williams does a Superman dive over the top of Cross. And Jalen Smith finishes the tackle. Very good individual effort by Jalen Smith.
2: Very good individual effort, and so violent. I mean that that hit that blow he delivers across knocks him back and screws up the whole play. He knows it too, man. Oh yeah, he celebrates that as he should. Sets up a second and ten here.
1: Geno Smith just uses his legs here. B gap comes open. I got to take it. Yep. And the Giants good, linebackers end up rallying to make yeah, the title. good rally.
2: Good rally to keep that to just four yards. What for? What it initially looked like.
1: And here's the coverage too. We'll check it out. I don't like seeing Jalen Smith out on the boundary, but that's where Kenneth Walker is. That's <laughs> not necessarily something I love to see, but it is running back on running back. Got to take man on man. Yep. It seems like Marquise Goodwin was open here. Jalen Smith might have had him because you could see how Dory Jackson gets his hips turned. He's playing inside out, something the Giants have been doing all game, and Micah McFadden doesn't really drop to a depth to eliminate that middle hook throwing window. Geno Smith still takes what he can with the run, but Kenneth Walker runs Jalen Smith right into his rushing path. So Giants benefit from that to set up a third and six that goes incomplete with the Giants having eight dudes on the line of scrimmage. Yeah,
2: this is a fun look pre-snap here. And the Seahawks, once again, trying a vertical shot here. Um, Despite it being third and six, they're not trying anything over the middle. They're going for the the big home run play here. Um, Little back shoulder ball that just uh, falls a little bit outside of DK's reach.
1: No cover zero or it is cover zero. So you have no safety in the middle of the field. If Gino wasn't so dialed in to DK Metcalf, he might've paid attention to Noah Fant who beats Julian Love really bad off the line of scrimmage and runs to the middle of the field. That could have been a big play. I feel like Fabian Moreau did a really good job against DK Metcalf here. And I understand what the Seahawks are doing. You want to attack Fabian Moreau because he's the unknown on the uh, Giants in the Giants secondary. But he gave up some some plays, but relatively, man, he was he was doing pretty pretty well, I would say.
2: Yeah, and then after this incompletion, you got the fumble from Richie James. Then the Seahawks turned that around with a touchdown drive. That was pretty much the that was the game right there. The second
1: fumble. Yeah, that's where it got really ugly. And you have the touchdown to Kenneth Walker, which we can just show, but we could probably even get into our superlatives as we go over these next two plays. I do yeah. love this play that's going on right now. It's that fake halfback pitch. Again, play action. Just find Noah Fant in the flat, bring him across the formation. This is something the Giants have struggled with, something that the Giants have run a couple times. I kind of want them to run it a little bit more often. But that sets up This Kenneth Walker touchdown, 13 personnel. You can see he ends up cutting back to the weak side right here. Insane athletic ability to stop on a dime and then outrun these three defenders. Xavier McKinney a little sloppy with the tackling, but again, Giants' defense is exhausted at this point.
2: Yeah, beyond exhausted. They had to come back right on the field, so it is what it is. There, I say we can roll into the superlatives now. We can show, we can, we can cycle through if you want. But
1: yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put the plays up for those on YouTube can watch it, but we won't really discuss what's going on. Let's get right into the superlatives yeah. since you're crunched.
2: Okay. Yeah. Um. So we can start here with the unheralded player of the game. I'm going to go with unheralded player of the game for me is Jalen Smith. You know, converted really well to the middle linebacker role with the switch with Crowder. Was super disciplined all game. Made some really good plays in addition to being disciplined like we went over. So I'm going to give Jalen Smith my unheralded player of the game. How about you?
1: For me, it's Tom and Fox. I think Tom and Fox made several big plays. A lot of them actually end up coming in garbage time right here. If you're watching, he has a lot of really good run defense plays. But when you're a UDFA and you're earning... 20 plus snaps in a game and you're actually making an impact as a run defender. I think you deserve to get some praise for being unheralded. So I'm going to get a great call.
2: Yeah. How about highest effort player for you?
1: Leonard Williams, but he's also going to get the best player from me. So maybe I should choose someone else. And, I still think it's Leonard Williams, so I'm just going to go yeah. with Leonard Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it
2: is Leonard Williams, and he's also, I don't want to spoil this whole thing, but if you watch this tape and said anyone else deserved best player overall, you'd just be fooling your own self. He was clear-cut the best player on the defense by far in this game. But having said that, he also was the highest effort player, but I think there's another guy who deserves recognition for his effort basically every week, but this game was no different, and that's Julian Love, number 20. He's just always giving an insane amount of effort out there.
1: Yeah, and you can see Tom and Fox could even qualify as yep. one of those high-effort players. He had several plays where he was just running around like a crazy man, but I like that call. Favorite play call from Wink? Favorite play call from Wink would probably be the Xavier McKinney sack, I think. I just love when when you send Kayvon Thibodeau up High side to expand the tackle, and then you just occupy the guard and the center, and you throw eye candy on the other side of the line of scrimmage to get the running back to think he has to go in that direction. Drop two guys off there, send Xavier McKinney right through a wide open B gap. It's just beautiful X's and O's, and it's something that Wink has made a career doing.
2: Yeah, that's my pick, too. Again, it's just a little homage, flashback to the early weeks of this Giant season when there were more examples of, like, you know, two guys blocking three three Giants defenders versus the other side of the line of scrimmage that has four guys blocking one or two. And it's just perfectly schemed. You just, if you get that kind of advantage from a schematic standpoint, it's hard to lose. So I'm going to go with that one as well. Best player overall, Leonard Williams by far. There's no real other person who can even uh, you know come close in that regard. Yeah, Leonard Williams.
1: Pass rushing grade one to ten, because I like the pass rush in this game. I want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, pass rushing grade one to ten. I'm going to say... I think of five point nine. I, I don't think that's bad. I think that's that's good. I mean, the Giants weren't getting too many sacks. They they had a they had the Michael McFadden one, the Leonard Williams one, and then the Xavier McKinney one. Some of them are schemed up, and I kind of forget. Do we incorporate the scheme or is this more yes, based? On, just, yeah. Okay, whole, if it's, it's incorporated by the scheme, I'm going to go with a six point nine. I think that's a full okay. point difference right there. I just view it as like, can they get pressure or not type of situation,
2: right? So yeah, just that's the best way. At The whole thing, yeah. So I'm actually going to go seven, seven. I felt like, you know, five quarterback hits from Leonard Williams. I think 10 total pressures for the team, which is a really good number. 10 total quarterback hits. Um, They really were getting hits on Gino all the time. You want to see them get home. Yeah,
1: go ahead. You want to know what would have made it a lot better to where we'd be like nine. If it wasn't, Geno Smith. Yeah, that's 100% right. Cherry yeah. on the top of this podcast of us just absolutely praising this dude, but literally if it was another quarterback and not even like a, a Justin Fields or like right. a really young one, just another quarterback who doesn't have as good of a feel in the pocket, right? I think there's a lot more sacks. There's a lot more hits because yeah. a lot of those plays we went over, you saw Geno Smith, just a little slide up, dip that throwing shoulder prevented him from maybe getting strip sacked. And I'm sure another quarterback, like if it was Baker Mayfield or even someone maybe a little bit better, that could have ended up being a a sack or or a fumble or something. So really credit to Geno Smith for for making the good pass rush look not as effective as it actually was. I completely
2: agree because I thought the Giants pass rush legit came alive in this game, sparked a lot by Leonard Williams and his ability to create pressure. And I thought, you know, unfortunately, like you said, Geno Smith had a-plus pocket manipulation in this game, and it kind of negated a little bit of what we could have seen. But I think it's for sure a good sign of what's to come after the bye week from a pass rush standpoint. How about a run defense grade 1 to 10?
1: Oh, it was a lot better than it was in the past. I'm okay. going to go with a good 7-5, I think. That's my arbitrary guess for what I'm going. Oh, you're drinking LaCroix, bro? It's all about Waterloo, man. Where's the camera?
2: LaCroix is not bad, dude. This is a special It's waterloo. not Waterloo. It's like the worst version of Waterloo. I don't know if I agree with that. I almost feel like LaCroix, and I call it LaCroix. I feel like LaCroix is better than 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 Waterloo Waterloo's amazing. So I don't really want to diss Waterloo. It's one of these two is the best of all time. Though I gotcha. will say this. If you're willing to add a little sugar, which I know you're not, unfortunately <laughs> for your life, Spindrift is really where it's at. The Spindrift. Spindrift. With, yeah. Spindrift adds its seltzer with a little like 1% juice, like real juice. So whatever that flavor is, and I I think it's 2% actually, you get a nice little kick. So you're getting a lot more flavor out of your spin drift than you are of like one of these. I would, and you know, I know you don't want to add any sugar to your diet, but it's like a gram or two or three grams of sugar or something like five grams or something low. And it's natural sugar too, I think, at least they claim. So (laughs) <laughs> I would say that's that's my power rankings there, but run defense grade. I'm actually going to go with the eight six. I really thought they did everything they were supposed to do. They stayed disciplined. They didn't. Really, this was a really tough rushing attack. They were rushing the ball really well coming into this game, and they didn't allow any big plays until obviously the last one for the touchdown, which I don't even count because after they fumble again, it's like what the hell do you expect from this defense at that point? So really strong grade from me.
1: And like we said, it wasn't just from the outside zone, the stretch right. zone. Like there were a couple power, power gaps. Couple of GT counters in there. And guess what? Jalen Smith was where he needed to be, which is not something we could have said last week. So the Giants' run defense really stepped up in this game. Unfortunately, they still took the L. Yeah, big upgrade having Smith in there at middle linebacker, I think, over Crowder. So I think that will probably stick moving forward. But before we get out of here, Dan. I think Micah McFadden might his role could expand even more. I mean, he played 27 snaps in this game and we've highlighted some of the mistakes that he had, but going into a bye week right. is now the opportunity for Micah McFadden to earn some more snaps. I mean,
2: it's plausible, right? I think so for sure. I mean, he wasn't a perfect game for him, but he flashed some signs that they're definitely going to like when they watch this film. That bend was awesome. That close away from the ground. Yeah, that was wild to see. Good ankle flexion. Like I said, so, what you want to see from an athlete that's a rookie for the Giants could make some big impact plays in the second half. All right, that's all we have for today. I got to get out of here. Nick has to get out of here. We both have to run, um, but we will be having – we were thinking about doing something else this week if Nick gets some time uh, away from the family who's visiting, but we'll 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 update you on that. That's not guaranteed. We, we might we, – we're going to try to get some kind of reaction to the trade deadline going too, so keep it locked and loaded. Big Blue Banter, baby. Thanks a lot. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.